The Creep Show Chronicles contains graphic and disturbing content. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to the Creep Show Chronicles, the podcast where we discuss murder, the macabre, and all the spooky shit. I'm Sam. And I'm Ashley. Now grab your weed, your wine, or some coffee, and let's get creepy. Happy New Year, everyone. I hope that 2023 is better than 2022 and 2021 and 2020 and all that. Here's hoping. Today we're talking about a a killer with a strange voice. And it seems that a lot of uh, serial killers have distinct voices. Uh, Like Jeffrey Dahmer, the way that he talked in his interviews, he was very calm and collected and calculated and just very nonchalant about mm-hmm. everything, you know. I love watching his interviews just to hear his voice. Um, and then you have Charles Manson, who was just wild and chaotic and would start mumbling and rambling off different things and crazy. Mm-hmm. And then you have Eileen Warnos, who was slightly terrifying uh, whenever she spoke, but uh, I still consider her to be one of my favorite serial killers. And when I say favorite serial killer, I don't mean that, like, I like her. I just mean that her story and everything about her is one of my favorites. So then we have this guy, uh, the Weepy Voice Killer. And um, he's a special little snowflake. Um, do you know anything about him? He's a 70s porn star. He does look like a porn star. He has the porn stash. Yikes, dude. Shave her head. Get rid of it. <laughs> He looks, you know who he reminds me of? He reminds me of Stan from Golden Girls, Dorothy's ex-husband. So this dude's real name is Paul Michael Stefani. He was born on September 8th, 1944. He is from Austin, Minnesota. And he committed his crimes in Minnesota and Wisconsin. He was the youngest of 10 kids born into a Catholic family. His mom remarried when he was three, giving him a stepdad who was known to beat his stepchildren and sometimes throw them down the stairs. Sounds like a super awesome guy. Mm-hmm. But uh, other than that, he seemed to have an okay childhood, which is, we know, is very strange for serial killers because normally they have something horrible happen in their childhood. Yeah. So Stefani married Beverly Leiter. And they had a daughter, but the couple soon divorced. He, I, I saw a couple things where he did abandon his daughter. I'm not sure, but uh, I think he did abandon his daughter, which is not surprising. So he held down several jobs, and he was fired from a janitor, a janitor position at Malberg Manufacturing Company in 1977. And then his first victim was Karen Potak on New Year's Eve 1980. He beat her with a tire iron and assaulted her after she left a party, leaving her with multiple brain injuries. She survived the attack, thankfully, and police discovered her after he called authorities to inform them of the injured girl's location. So he reported his own crime. That's kind of the trope here with this guy. We'll get to why he's called the Ruby Voice Killer in just a second. So soon other crimes started uh, sharing similar characteristics, all women, all wearing the color red, and all with one person wanting to work with police to catch the predator, the assailant himself. Quote, at that point, they knew they had a serial killer. Longtime WCCO-TV, a Twin Cities-based television station reporter, Carolyn Lowe said, a budding crime reporter in 1981, Lowe had an idea. I asked the police chief if I could put the audio that they had their f- uh, to their phone center back then. Wow. She, uh, 
because it was very distinctive and I was sure if the viewers heard it, they would know who it was. According to Lowe, WCCO played the audio on its broadcast. Police started a direct telephone line accepting any tips to find the weepy killer. Carolyn Lowe started reporting on Paul Stefani's crimes in 81. So nothing came of it, unfortunately, and about five months later, another person was attacked and she died. The next person was 18-year-old Kim Kimberly, Cro Kimberly Compton. He killed her on June 3rd, 1981 in Wisconsin. He stabbed her 61 times with an ice pick and strangled her with a shoelace. After the attack, he once again contacted police to report the crime. During the phone call, he said, God damn, will you find me? I just stabbed somebody with an ice pick. I can't stop myself. I keep killing somebody. If somebody dies with a red shirt on, it's me, he cried. The tearful phone calls soon dubbed the attacker the weepy voice killer. The patterns continued. Believing it to be a cruel prank, investigators almost brushed the call aside until the caller specifically said he used an ice pick to kill Compton, which would be something only the killer would know. Only a few hours later did Stefani call investigators again, telling them to just listen as he explained his regret about killing Compton. Much like a child being caught red-handed, he promised, I'll try not to kill anybody else. So I saw a few articles relating his remorse to the, uh, in the phone calls to his Catholicism and Catholic guilt, which makes a lot of sense because a lot of Catholics have a lot of guilt mm. or nothing. So before moving on to his next victim, he called the police to apologize for the murder offering to turn himself in, but he never did. He later contacted local media to apologize a second time and to correct them on the details of the murders. Could you imagine working for a newspaper or a news channel and a murderer calls in to correct you on the report that they did on him? Like, <laughs> like no, 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 you got it all wrong. Here's what uh, happened. This is where my happened. <laughs> this is what happened, sir. <laughs> right? So his next victim was Kathleen Greenberg. He drowned the 33-year-old in her bathtub on July 21st, 1982, he didn't attempt to contact the police or local newspapers about the killing, making it an outlier. Police were able to trace which phone booth Stefani was using at the time and rushed to the scene, but they missed their chance of arresting him. There were no witness statements. This guy was right under their nose, and they just couldn't catch him. So hoping to find more about the mystery caller, police listened to recorded phone calls and found a match to a call from New Year's Day the same year. The same day, Karen Potak was found. Stefani begged for an ambulance to come quickly, which may be why Potak was able to survive the attack. The man behind the voice remained a mystery, and another woman was savage, savagely murdered, Barbara Simmons, a 40-year-old nurse living in uh, Minneapolis, Minnesota. She met Stefani while on a night out at the Hex Hexagon Bar, and this is really fucked up, because she mentioned to a waitress, I hope this guy's okay because I just need a ride home. Mm. Yeah. And dude was not okay because Simmons was found floating in the Mississippi River with circular stab wounds littering her body. Her autopsy showed he stabbed her more than a hundred times. Daniel. Yeah. Police decided to see who in the Twin Cities had violent records. After that, and the help of witnesses, they were able to narrow it down to eight men and took mug shots of them. Bar staff were able to recognize Paul Michael Stefani. Without the hard evidence, police couldn't arrest him right away. Instead, they set up surveillance at his apartment and followed him when he left for Minneapolis. However, they lost track of him. Hours later, another call came in from a witness, not Stefani. The man saw a woman being stabbed with a screwdriver and was threatened when he attempted to intercede. The final attack occurred in Minneapolis, Minnesota on August 20th, 1982. 
he picked up a sex worker named Denise Williams. The 19-year-old realized something was wrong when he drove through a dark, secluded area rather than heading back towards downtown Minneapolis. Stefani turned onto a dead-end road and attacked the teenager with a screwdriver. He stabbed her 15 times, and she hit him over the head with a glass bottle, causing cuts to his head and face. Williams thankfully survived the attack. Her screams drew the attention of a man who lived nearby, and upon seeing Stefani trying to stab Williams again, began to wrestle with him, causing Stefani to flee the scene. The man was able to call for an ambulance and later helped identify Stefani. However, when Stefani returned home to his apartment, he noticed he was bleeding badly and sought medical help. It was this call that confirmed Stefani was the weepy voice killer and linked him to the Williams attack. Further in-depth investigation work later connected Stefani to the murder of Simmons. Stefani was arrested, and despite his previous phone calls, he refused to admit to his crimes. Which, like, the fuck? <laughs> yeah, you're the one that calls him in. Right? When police showed his photos of the victims, um, his voice seemingly choked up and turned into the same voice investigators heard many times over the phone. He pleaded not guilty to the assault of Williams and murder of Simmons, and while it was widely believed he attacked Compton and Potak, there wasn't enough evidence to charge him, however. He was found guilty of William's attack, an 18-year sentence, and Simon's, uh, Simon, Simmons' murder, 40-year sentence. In 1997, Stefani said he'll confess his crimes if he could get photos of his mother's gravesite. He received his photos and revealed the gory details of his crimes while also confirming the attacks he was always suspected of committing. He even mentioned that he killed one more woman no one ever pinned on him. He couldn't give any details on who the woman was, although he did remember that he drowned her in a bathtub. Sure enough, there was an unsolved case of a woman who was drowned in a bathtub. Some believed it was just a sadistic form of clout Stefani was trying to gain, but he was able to give details only the killer would know, like the details in her apartment during the crime. His name was even saved in a phone book of the victim. In 1997, Stefani was diagnosed with skin cancer and had less than a year to live. He decided to confess to the murders of Kim Compton, Barbara Simmons, and Kathy Greening. 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 <laughs> Greening. Greening. Uh, he, had not, he had not even been a suspect in the Greening death, as he had not made a phone call to police as he had done in other cases. In all, he confessed to be uh, a beating attack in 1980, Stabbing Kimberly Compton to death in 1981, drowning Kathy, Kathleen Greening in 1982, stabbing Barbara Simmons to death in 19, uh, 1982, and stabbing Denise Williams in 1982. It was a banner year for him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Stefani wasn't able to give any true reason why he killed. He confessed, to, uh, he confessed all this after learning he had cancer, and all he was able to say about his urge to kill was a voice in his head that said, Paul it's time to kill. And he thankfully died on June 12th, 1998, sorry, 1998. Good riddance. And uh, I have 911 calls if you'd like to listen to them. I'll put the link in the description so that you guys can go and uh, listen to it. But yeah, that's the weepy voice killer. He is uh, fucked up. He's crazy and he's dead. So I do, if, if you guys aren't offended easily listening I recommend that you go listen to the Brohio episode that they did whenever they covered this because Nick, the one of the hosts, Nick, he, he was like making fun of him. He was like, I'm sick, dead man. I'm not dead man. <laughs> oh my god. He was so funny. Um, so
So yeah, that's that's uh, that's that on that. And uh, there wasn't a ton of information, so of course my episode's not very long, but mm. it's okay. I'm Sam, and I'm Ashley. Stay creepy. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Creep Show Chronicles. If you'd like to contact us or give us recommendations, you can email us thecreepshow18 at gmail.com. Creep us on social media. All of our info is on our link tree at the Creep Show Chronicles. Be sure to share our show so we can grow our audience. Stay creepy. Bye.